You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Shout out a hallelujah to the Lord here tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We offer you our praise. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise your name. Amen. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord on a Wednesday night? Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. As Pastor mentioned, there's a number of things happening here tonight around the building. So we do have groups that are meeting in multiple places. Amen. And, amen. And we're excited to be here tonight together in the house of the Lord. Just before I begin, I just want to make mention quickly that 15 years ago today, my beautiful bride and I got married. It's hard to believe that it goes by that quick. I tell it all the time. It feels only like 15 minutes underwater. (laughs) Amen. And brother and sister Bustard, it is so good to have you with us. We honor you. Amen. We honor you. And what a privilege. Amen. Uh, We're going to turn to the word of the Lord here tonight and... Um, Just for a few moments, I'm going to be speaking to you on this topic. I see it. I see it. Amen. And we could just lift up our hands one more time, lift up our voices together and begin to magnify the name of the Lord. God, we are so thankful. We're so thankful for your word, Jesus. We're so thankful for your presence that we feel so powerfully in this place. God, I pray that you would speak to us here tonight, that you would let your word rest on our heart. God, I pray that you would accomplish what you have purposed for it in each and every one here tonight. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're driving in a car and you are relying on your rearview mirrors to check the lanes, there are some spots that you won't be able to see. The back right corner, the back left corner, Every curb that you hit, every shopping cart that you hit, come on, somebody. You say it, don't you? That was in my blind spot. I didn't see it. Those are blind spots. Oh, you can turn your head and take a glance this way and that way at those spots so that you will know what there is there. But the moment that you check your blind spots, you are unaware of what is happening completely around you. And I know they've come out with different inventions now. You've got 360 view and all of that that you can look at, but there's always something that we seem to miss. Blind spots are created because we don't have eyes in the back of our heads. And I know moms say that they do, but I've checked. They really don't. It is physically impossible to see everything at once. In the book of John, we are told of a blind man sitting at the gate of the temple 
And tonight I want to bring our focus to this story. God is able to remove the spiritual darkness and bring glorious light to every life. Isn't that true? Amen. He's able to do it. And we read that in this story here tonight. He is the light in this dark world. And of all the handicaps that can curse men and women, blindness must be one of the most difficult. Yet there is something infinitely worse than physical blindness. It is the spiritual blindness of the soul. And we read about that in this story as well. So real and disastrous is this condition that the Lord considered it necessary to stop by this blind man in our story to show that there is healing, there is salvation available for those that will believe. The Lord came not only to open the eyes of a few physically blind men and women, but primarily and supremely to turn the darkness of humanity's sinful heart into the dawn of spiritual light. And in John chapter 9, This is where we find the story. We are told that as Jesus and his disciples were walking along, they seen a man who had been born blind. In a very real sense, here was a man who was sitting in the darkest of his physical night. And this had been his condition from birth. He had never seen the light of day. Light had never entered into his eyes. I can't imagine what that state would be like. The man blind from birth in this story is a story of everyone, though. It applies to every single one of us, no matter how youthful, how beautiful, how intellectual, or how charming you may be. The truth is the moment that you were born, you were born with spiritual blindness. You were born into sin. Every family member, every friend, every coworker, we all have that one thing in common. We were born into sin. We were born into this darkness. The Apostle Paul reminds us in the Word of God that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God for His saving grace. Amen. Thank God for His saving grace or else we wouldn't be here tonight. Amen. Thank God for his word that helps us to see, helps us to see how destitute and in need we are of his light in our lives. There is not a single one of us that does not need the Lord. We all do. Right from Donnie all the way to the back. (laughs) We need the Lord. I know in English, you're not supposed to use double negatives in the same sentence, but sometimes it's more gooder to do that. Jesus saw this man, not just out of the corner of his eye, but he he fixed his gaze on him. That's what the Bible means when it says that the Lord saw him. He fixed his gaze on him. And the disciples, they must have noticed that the Lord was looking because then they all looked. And then they started to ask questions to Jesus. They said, Master, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? And they automatically jumped to conclusions. Why was he born blind? Why is this man blind? There must be a reason. They, they can see his condition of blindness, but they can't see why. Neither, Jesus said, he is blind for a purpose, so that I can demonstrate the power of God. And then he, I know this is going to sound gross, so for anybody that's squeamish, just close your ears for one second. But he spat on the ground, and he made mud. And then he took that mud, and he put it over the blind man's eyes. And then he told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, 
Siloam is a Hebrew word that means sent. Sent. Remember that fact. It'll be important later on in this message. If I go back to when the kids were just young, they used to watch Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, and there was always a mystery mouse couture that you could count on that would be in that. But this is one of those, mystery mouse couture. The word sent. Remember that fact. The pool of Siloam is literally translated the pool of sending. The pool of sending. This blind man was sent to wash off the mud from his eyes. He did as Jesus told him. And as he obeyed, as he did what Jesus told him to do, the Bible tells us that immediately he was able to see. Light for the first time entered into his eyes, and he was able to see. Amen. And that is miraculous, and we can celebrate with him. But not everybody was celebrating. This happened on the Sabbath day. You have to know that in an effort to make sure that Jewish people never offended or broke God's Ten Commandments, over the course of a couple of thousands of years, they made over 6,000 amendments to, to detail and outline how to obey those Ten Commandments. 6,000 amendments. 6,000 do's and don'ts. Just to make sure that they can obey the Ten that God gave them. God said to observe the Sabbath and to keep it holy, and here's how we're going to do it. We will outline every possibility that there can be throughout life. We want to make sure that we don't mistakenly mess up. And while their efforts initially might have been good, one that was added was in a book called Mishnah Shabbat that they still follow today. It outlines rules to follow for the Sabbath. And one of those rules was that there was to be no healing done on the Sabbath. Now, traditional law given by God permitted healing, though, even on the Sabbath. But the religious leaders and the Pharisees, they were looking for something to accuse Jesus of. And so when they heard about it, they demanded that this once blind man, I just want to praise God at that, that this once blind man tell them what happened to him. We were, I don't know if they knew what they were asking for. They were asking for his testimony. Bring this once blind man to us and get him to tell us what happened. And this man told them how Jesus had smoothed the mud over his eyes and when it had washed away in the pool of Siloam, he could see. How simple the procedure and yet how profound the results. And this is the only recorded occasion on which Jesus took the initiative in restoring sight. The blind man never asked to be healed. He never begged for a miracle. We don't have any record of it. We don't have any dialogue between, between Jesus and that man up until that point that Jesus saw him. And this makes this miracle even more significant because just as Christ voluntarily anointed the eyes of the blind so that he could see, so he voluntarily came from heaven and entered an earthly body in order that through the mixing of divine nature of himself with human clay, the nature of our flesh, he might impart life and light to the darkness of humanity. And we read in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil. This was the divine operation which Jesus performed in order that we might be delivered from the blinding power of the devil. Having anointed him with the clay, the Lord had told him to the, 
go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And it, once again, the act is symbolic, the pool of Siloam, which John carefully tells us it means sent. There we go. Somebody was listening. It was a specifically provided pool of water for ceremonial drinking and cleansing. Jesus, two chapters just before this, was at this very pool. And he used these waters as an example of himself. The Bible tells us in John chapter 7, verse 37, it says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, come on somebody. If any man thirst, let him come on to me and drink. And then we turn two chapters, lady, and we read about a blind man who did exactly that. It wasn't about some miraculous pool of Siloam. It was that he came to the Lord. He came to the Lord. He found himself, he found himself before the Lord. And so the blind man obeyed by faith when he was sent by the words of the Savior. And he went, he washed, and he received his sight. He accepted the divine operation initiated by the Savior and then by faith. This sinner responded in obedience to the instructions of the great physician. Guess what? He followed the doctor's orders, and now he could see. Just before healing this blind man, Jesus told his disciples, While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is his words just before healing this blind man. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And could this former blind man ever testify about that? Some of the Pharisees, they said, then this fellow Jesus is not from God because he is working on the Sabbath. Can't be from God. He's working on the Sabbath. Blindly caught up in their legalities. They couldn't see what God was doing. But others said, the Bible tells us, others said, how could an ordinary person do such a miracle? There was deep division of opinion among them. And then the Pharisees turned on the man who had been blind and demanded, This man who opened your eyes, who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? He answered them and said, He is a prophet. And the Jewish leaders wouldn't accept that answer because they believed the man had never been blind. And so they had the man's parents brought to them for questioning. They asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? Is this really the case? We need to back up the story. And if so, if he really was born blind, if so, how can he see? And his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind. But we don't know what happened to make him see or who did it. He is old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. The parents, the Bible tells us, were afraid of the Jewish leaders because they had announced that anyone saying that Jesus was the Messiah would be excommunicated. They would be kicked out of the synagogue. They let his parents go, and then they had the man who had been blind brought to them for the second time. And they told him, swear to God that you will tell the truth. We know that this man is a sinner. And this is how the man replied. I don't know whether he is good or bad, but I know this. One thing I know. I was blind. But now I see how this man's eyes must have sparkled with confidence as he affirmed those words. 
one thing I do know. I don't know everything that there is to know about him. But I do know this. I once sat in darkness, but the Lord opened up my eyes. It is hard to argue with a man who has a personal testimony. He could not give you an explanation or enter into arguments of those unbelieving Pharisees, but one thing was certain. A man called Jesus had opened his blinded eyes, and now he could see. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your testimony of what God has done for you is powerful. Brother Donnie spoke on this last week. Your testimony of what God has done is so powerful. Somebody testified tonight that one thing I know, one thing I know, I once was in darkness. I once was lost. I once was blind. But now I see. And this is what they asked him. They said, but what did he do? They asked. How did he heal you? (laughs) And I find this response so funny coming from the former blind man. He says, look. Just look. I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Oh, Then the Pharisees cursed him and said, you must be a disciple of his, but we are disciples of Moses. They got a little ruffled about that one. We know God has spoken to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't know where he's from. And the the man replies, that's very strange that you don't know where he is from, considering that he opened my eyes. That's funny. He opened my blinded eyes, and yet you were the ones who can't see. Whew. But in spite of all the trials related to him receiving his sight, he remained constant and unshakable in his faith. This one thing I know. In fact, he turned these very trials and persecutions and accusations into a witness for the glory of the Lord. And as the man continued to speak and he said, well, God doesn't listen to evil men, but he has opened ears to those who worship him and do his will. Since the world began, there has never been anyone who could open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't do it. And they shouted, you stupid, evil man. Now, that's not very nice. (laughs) Are you trying to teach us? This is what the religious leaders say. Are you trying to teach us? And then they threw him out. In John chapter 9, verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Do you believe on the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said to him, You have both, oh, you have both seen him, oh, and it is he that talketh with you. Then he said in verse 38, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Lord, I believe. It is time today that your darkness is turned to dawn. Your testimony will be from this day throughout eternity and can be once I was blind, but now I can see. The light of the world is Jesus and he has set me free. It is time for you to respond to what God is doing in your life and say, Lord, I believe. I believe what you're doing. Even if I don't see what you're doing, Lord, I believe. 
Even if I don't understand what you were doing, Lord, I believe. Even if I don't feel you, Lord, I still believe. Jesus said in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are, you, are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. These people, these Pharisees here in the text of John chapter 9, were said by Jesus to be blind. The irony is that Jesus had just healed a blind man. And in the aftermath of this story, when the Pharisees tried to find a legal technicality to undo the miracle that Jesus had performed or or make a public example of him, they show themselves to have a blind spot where Jesus is concerned. Jesus said that he came so that those who do not see may see, and that those who think they see will realize that they are blind. The Pharisees reveal their arrogance and pride when they responded to Jesus by saying, Surely, we are not blind, are we? The man had just cured, healed, completely blind eyes. And the Pharisees were trying to say that he wasn't God. God had just performed a miracle and still these religious leaders couldn't see it. But you only see what you want to see. When you've got spiritual blindness, you might just as you might miss out on what God is doing right next to you, right in your midst. These Pharisees were religious leaders. They were well-trained, educated, and respected in the community. They could speak doctrine with the best of them. They were known for their spirituality, for their religious performance. Good church member material, honestly. We often blame them for their hypocrisy, for their outward displays of piety when God was looking at at their inward feelings of haughtiness and arrogance. But that outward stuff, those things that we can see with our own eyes and understand well, those things spoke very highly of the Pharisees, praying all the time, reading the scriptures on a daily basis, strictly adhering to religious law. They were trying to do the right things, but they were blind and didn't know it. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, it tells us, if we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Church, I am here to tell you tonight that this is every one of us. None of us are immune to this kind of blindness. The hope of the gospel is that we will acknowledge our blindness and that we will be aware of our blind spots and that we will live our life with the help of the Lord to guide us. But one thing I know, I once was in darkness, but God lit up my life with his spirit and I am no longer the same. I've been transformed by his spirit. And that's the promise that is for each and every one of us today. That's the promise. And yes, there are times when sin blinds but thank god he came along forgives us heals us saves us the blind man sitting outside of the temple never realized that day that his entire life as he knew it would be changed forever he would catch the eye of the savior he would the savior would anoint his eyes with clay send him to the pool to be cleansed and he would be healed all to give glory to the name of the lord 
And I believe God is doing a powerful work in his church. I truly believe that with all my heart. We are seeing the effects of the Spirit of God move throughout. If I could have the music come back, I'm going to come to a close. My wife uh, sent me a podcast from Truth Chapel in Atlanta, Georgia. This is Brother Court Chavis's church. He's been here with us. Some of you may know him. Some of you may not. But Brother Chavis is just an incredible man of God. He titled his message, The Best is Yet to Come. The Best is Yet to Come. And he used the scripture from Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former house. He got those in the congregation who were there when him and his wife started the church in Atlanta to stand. Probably 12 to 15 people. Then he got those who were a part of their next church building to stand. And they stood with them. He got everyone to look around at all of those who were still sitting and he told them these are the people that we prayed for these are the people god promised he would send us when we were in our early stages when god had just started the work in our city god had told us that he was going to be sending us people and we believed it we prayed we sacrificed, we served, we preached, we reached and believed that God would do it. And look what God has done. Look what God has already done. And I started to cry as I was watching, as I was listening to this. And I men mentally started looking over our congregation and over our satellite churches and began to thank God for all the people that God has sent us. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. I started, to tell the, I started to tell the Lord, God, I see what you're doing. I see it. I see it. Brother Chavis, he then told his congregation, and as great as what God has already done, the latter house will be greater than the former house. God has prepared us to this point to be able to handle greater things that He has promised. He is building His church. Not, not our kingdom, not our church, His kingdom, His church. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And then He told the church what His vision is for His city. And as He did, I began to visualize what God has given pastor as a vision for this city. 30 satellite churches. Every single point of the city accessible to people to be able to get to church. To be able to be a part of church services. Be able to be the church together. Reaching into every community, every single culture of our church. Every single culture of our city. And as I did, I, I seen it. All because at one point in our life, we were in darkness. But God sent us to wash off the fill from our eyes so that we could see and shone his marvelous light into our lives we can't explain it other than one thing i know we were in darkness but the lord was a light unto us 
And now that he has opened our blinded eyes, we can see that his mission for his church is to send us into the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Send us into our city, into our workplaces, into our schools with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see it. I see it. If I could have people stand up. I'm going to come to a close, give you some hope here tonight. I see it. I see people lined up for the baptismal tank. We're, we're already just in the last two weeks. It's been happening, folks. We've been having people come and be baptized on days that aren't Sunday, on days that aren't Wednesday, because God is already stirring hearts. He's already moving on people. He's already standing in front of people and seeing them seeing their hunger, their desire. I see your altars full of people speaking in tongues for the first time. I see prodigals coming back home. I see it. And as I open the altar tonight for you to respond to the preach word of God, I want you to come with someone on your mind that you know is in spiritual darkness. They need God. They need to know that God sees them and loves them do you see it? I want you to visualize them coming to the Lord. I want you to visualize them in the altar with their hands lifted up, worshiping God Almighty. I want you to visualize them being baptized in the name of the Lord for the remission of their sins. I want you to visualize them speaking in that heavenly language as God frees them from the slavery of sin that's plagued their life. I want you to visualize it with me. Oh, God. Do you see hungry souls running to God? Do you see blinded eyes being opened? I need somebody to believe with me right now. Do you see it? The glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former house. When God has planned, it's going to be greater than anything that we've ever seen. But He's been preparing our church all this time for the sending, for the sending for the sending. And so as we come to this altar, I want us to lift up our hands and begin to call out on the name of the Lord for that person that we're thinking of, for ourselves, for our city, for what God is doing. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, we magnify you. We magnify you, Jesus, for everything that you've done and all that you're doing. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. God, I'm thankful, Jesus. I'm so thankful for what you've already done. God, I'm so thankful for the revivals that we've experienced, but you're not finished yet. God, you're not finished reaching. You're not finished, God, with every single person in this city. God, for those Jesus, that are connected to the church. Lord, for those who were once a part of this assembly and no longer are, Jesus, you're not finished yet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise your name. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.